This is The Blueprint, brought to you by Executive Platforms. Hello again, everyone. You're listening to another episode of Executive Platforms Blueprint podcast series. My name is Jeff Mix, Head of Content and Research. I'm here at the North American HR Executive Summit in Orlando, Florida, and my guest today is Matthew Kaiser. He's uh, in charge of the strategic advisory side of Providence Technology Solutions, and he was speaking yesterday at our event, and it is the most exciting workshop. I, I have pictures from the back of the room that are in odd angles because it was standing room only, and I, I couldn't get a camera in. Matthew, so much. Uh, thank you so much for joining me. You've been having a lot of conversations with HR executives over the last couple of days. What are some of the common trends or themes you've been hearing? It's been some fascinating conversations here on site. Uh, a lot of employers, one, thinking about where does the next 10 years take them? Uh, where does their labor supply come from? Where is the workforce for tomorrow? And how is that different from now? A lot of that is demographics and population and the items that are outside of an employer's control but they have to react to, they have to be able to anticipate. And sometimes those things become a case for change for investment in uh, applicant tracking, recruiting, employee engagement, survey. We're seeing a focus on the retention side of you know, how do I attract the right workforce, then retain them, and then eventually motivate them, the, the core of human resources. A lot of it is you know, once I get the people I want in, how do I keep them here? Uh, we're, we're having some conversations around, and, and, and what's neat is the every employer is different. It's there is no magic bullet for it. Uh, what works for in, in, in a large organization, a global organization, still has to be localized to wherever that workforce is or that population. So we're seeing, I've got this system. What do I do? Is it sufficient? What do I need to add in to address it? Or maybe what I have is enough, I just need, it was implemented badly. It was, uh, my business has changed since we bought it and the system hasn't moved with it. So uh, I'm hearing a lot of folks talk through about, I, I don't know whether what I have is enough or do I need to go pick up something else to complement my, my, my infrastructure. And that uh, diagnostic review, that, that checkup, uh, is where I'm seeing a lot of questions around people saying, is this right? I don't know because I, I focus on my people, I focus on my teams, I focus on my business, and I just trust that the HR technology supports me. But I always have, most of what I'm hearing is a lot of, but I'm suspicious, I don't know. I, I, I'm curious if I'm in the right place. It, when it works well, when, when HR technology works well, it should be, almost invisible, like uh, the utilities, like air, gas, you know, electric. We don't, we take it for granted. We don't think through it. At the same time, it enables, though all those utilities enable us to live, interact, and do our, do our work. Um, the right mix of HR technology should be that way. It holds you up, it supports you, but also doesn't distract you from that mission of take care of the employees, attract new applicants, retain and and, and grab the uh, the knowledge of those folks. So what does a checkup like this look like? I mean, that sounds very all-encompassing and a little bit overwhelming, to be honest with you. Like, where do you start? Uh, there must be steps involved. Uh, walk us through the process. Usually, uh, so this type of diagnostic review starts with someone uh, outlining, so here's my infrastructure. And every company has sacred cows. You know, th this system we bought, we spent a million dollars on, it's not going anywhere. Or, you know, we need it for this. 
one of the things we first do is figure out where are the rocks that can't move and position them um, as, as sort of the guideposts. And then what is flexible? What, what other things are, are not important, are, are not the most critical piece? Uh, that analysis starts with a little bit of an inventory around what's important to the business. Uh, for example, if an organization's expanding globally, that can change the equation. And we need to know if they see themselves going global in the next five or 10 or, or, or you know, what, those, what that perspective is. Um, if they're really investing in sales and marketing, a high growth rate, uh, that changes the equation as well. So a lot of the corporate priorities become the become the rows if you would of the of the chart that help us rank and then the columns are all the different systems and a system can be anything there there's what we call point solutions like a survey system or a uh, 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 recruiting recruiting tool that you can just buy a bin admin tool you can buy drop in and go and then there's sort of the swiss army systems where they have a module for everything and with the swiss army the, the advantage there is it's minimal vendor management. So if I go to one of the uh, HR tech firms that gives me the suite system, uh, suite like S-U-I-T-E, not, yeah, not, 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 not tasty, um, I, I, I only have one contract to manage. I only have one service relationship, et cetera, theoretically. However, those all-in-one systems rarely are exceptional at every one of their modules. Typically, they're good at time and attendance or payroll or something in there. And then the rest are enablement for them to be able to check the box for RFPs to be like, oh, yeah, we've got a compensation. We've got a uh, talent. We've got a performance. At the same time, they don't sell it separately. It's not, not a product that would win on the open market. It enables them to have it, but not enough. And so our, our conversation is, okay, you said these were your priorities. Here's what you have. And let's look and grade these systems. You know, where are they? You know, so let's say, for example, uh, an employer that has a lot of high wages, uh, um, senior talent, like a consulting firm, where they want to attract and retain just the brightest minds, so, but they have to pay a lot for them. Compensation management may be a part of, uh, a, a real important part of the strategy. And so if that Swiss Army system has enough to handle their payroll, HR, time attendance, but compensation isn't sufficient, let's peel that out and address that. And a lot of times those, that, that diagnostic review includes, you know, where are the frustrations? Where are you having to pick up the pencil, use paper, uh, you know, stop what you're doing to address this through some type of manual effort. And then, all right, let's look at how those can be automated. You know, that's, that's a lot of ground you're covering. Um, and it's sounding a little abstract because you're covering so much territory. Could you give us a, a for instance, could you give us a specific example of something that people are challenged by? One of the, one of the things I've been hearing um, at the conference is a little bit around maternity leave. How do I, you know, I, uh, if I've got a young workforce and I'm losing people for two or three months at a time, how do I keep my service delivery consistent? Where do I find talent that can parachute in, run payroll, or handle benefits questions while that person's out? Um, none of these HR, and, and I, I don't know a team that has extra hands sitting around for overflow work. Uh, the, the, the shared services function within employers has been leaned down to a point where there is no extra capacity. And so they, they worry and fear a little bit around what happens. I, there was a, a 
pipe manufacturer stopped by the booth and, and talked about uh, had 30 or had one third of their female population um, take some form of extended leave within the last year, which is exceptional. But at the same time, it drove home for them, you know, hey, we need to know where our backup supply of talent is, or we need to figure out how to automate enough so that if we have Workforce, workforce changes. The technology enables us to, to, to get by. Maybe we're not as um, uh, interactive with the workforce, but we don't drop compliance. We, we don't drop um, yeah, tracking the transactions. We don't, we're still able to function as an organization. Uh, the, the workforce of today uh, is is, is multi-generational, but we're gonna see a lot of folks retire. We, we already see um, unemployment at a low, as, as an all-time low. The, the, the people stepping out of the workforce changes what we call the participation rate, uh, which also, so it could be retirement, like I mentioned, is also uh, people with uh, felony convictions that maybe can't get jobs or folks that choose not to. And all of a sudden you have the lowest participation rate of the labor force, unemployment all-time low, and or, uh, industries are struggling to find talent. Uh, they're saying, hey, how do we make sure we're sufficient for the future? And, and so immigration certainly will address part of it. You can outsource a function. So if I don't have payroll, I can hand it to the vendor, have them do it for me, maybe pay a fee. That sounds like a lot of uh, anxiety. That sounds like a lot of different pressures and pain points. What are some of the options when, when uh, companies are facing with those challenges? For employers with the you know, unemployment at all, or at all time low, the participation rate of the workforce, when they say, hey, where do I find my next employment base or my next workforce for the future? Um, there are four or five solutions. You know, uh, immigration will take care of a portion of it. We will see the, the amount of the workforce that is uh, uh, re uh, native population lower and immigration higher, uh, outsourcing. You know, handing it off to the vendors. I've, I've got some folks, particularly in the payroll side, where, and because payroll a lot of times is a thankless job. It is, uh, you know, no one says, great job for paying me, but the moment you mess up, there's trouble. It's filled with compliance. A lot of times I'm seeing folks say, I want to just push that over the vendor. I want them to run it for me. I want to be able to have access and see the reports and, and see what they're doing, but let's get the transactional moved away. And it's worth the fee they pay to push that out. Uh, especially in high-wage labor markets like uh, downtown San Francisco, for example. Uh, the others, yeah, so, so we have outsourcing immigration, retention. And this is, this is where we get a little more strategic. How do I take the people that might exit my workforce and retain them as uh, assets? So uh, alumni programs. I'm, uh, I'm seeing a lot of HR departments struggle with who are my good people that I want to keep as ambassadors out in the marketplace? Or maybe I start offering, uh, I figure out how to do a system that moves from full-time to part-time so that I can transition people who perhaps maybe don't want to fully retire or I, 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 I sent, uh, uh, incent them to glide to retirement as opposed to cut immediately to retirement. And that retains my knowledge. It keeps it. And it, it, uh, maybe I move those part-time roles into a way that frees up upward mobility of my younger workforce, but retains the knowledge and the experience of the older workforce. So we're, we're seeing some strategies around that. Uh, and the next is automation, which is where HR technology has the call to step up to the plate uh, to address 
what's happening demographically, what's happening with the compliance and regulatory environment through technology. So uh, for example, in, in California, if you terminate someone, uh, I need to pay them before the end of the day. And that was a challenge to a lot of systems. They were, it, it, you know, the payroll world was built around these batch processes. You get paid every two weeks and we send this data off to a mainframe somewhere, it comes back. And that right now is changing so that there are systems that will do real-time calculations that will enable you to know exactly what the wages are of this day. I'm seeing a rise in sort of the interest in daily pay or the ability for employees to draw down the wages they've earned but not yet been paid. Um, as, a, as a way to attract a workforce, especially in the low wage, high turnover, like retail, hospitality industries, those types of things. Uh, one of the other things, uh, uh, there's compliance that, you know, like uh, there's predictive scheduling, that's laws that are starting to crop up. What it says, if I work with a, uh, a workforce where I schedule, let's say I, I've got, I, I run a restaurant, I've got waiters who I say, hey, you're working Saturday. They arrange childcare, then I change the schedule they're out that money. They've, they've sort of made the commitments. They, and, and some states are recognizing that, oh, hey, that's a burden on the employees. So they, a couple states have passed laws and others are, are working through legislation uh, to say, oh, if you change a schedule, you pay a fee to the employee for changing the schedule within, let's say, two weeks after it's posted. Those type of things become challenges into the HR technology space. Well, we're seeing a lot of uh, case management and service delivery. How do I use technology to uh, not only be compliant, but also remove the human variation? Uh, everyone's had a bad manager. And a lot of times that then taints their perception of the employer which is not always the same. It could be a great employer, bad manager, but the employee still has horrible experience. So I'm seeing a technology response that says, how can we productize service delivery? So if you have a baby or if you're transferred from one organization or one, let's say, entity to another, uh, you want to go on leave of absence or those type, or you, you, you want to terminate, retire, hire, those big transactions. How do we pro, uh, productize them so that right things happen for every one of our employees, no matter who the manager is? I, I, I worked for an organization for 10 years. I had two performance appraisals because I had a pretty lack of, and it was, that was fine. I was okay with it. But if that organization was looking at it from how well do we consistently deliver human resources services, they would say, oh, that, that was a failure. Those were missed opportunities. And that's where perhaps not still leaving the humans to provide input and content, but enforcing and standardizing the process so that every employee has the same experience. Sort of like some of the restaurant change that you know wherever you, whichever city you happen to be in, if you walk into certain restaurants, you're expecting the exact same meal you had back at home. And that's where I see some HR technology taking us. These things then help retain the workforce because I eliminate the, um, the, um, the or, uh, there's, some, there's an industry organization that says people leave because of their manager more than they leave because of their job. That type of, uh, um, uh, of, 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 of data means that if technology can step up and help remove that part, that, that variability, the employment then can have a pretty consistent experience. And that's where I see a lot of focus is the employment experience. You were talking about conversations you've been having with HR executives, and it sounds like a lot of them come at it from a place of 
anxiety. They, they are, they're actually worried something isn't right. They need to figure out what this is. Walk me through that a little bit. What, what are they actually saying? A lot of times it's suspicion about the data that they're sitting on. They know it, uh, there are a lot of organizations that, you know, they had mergers, acquisitions, divestitures, or they inherited data from an old system. And I, one of the more common things I'm hearing is people are like, look, I, I just, it's bloated. We have all these job titles and, um, and none of them are the same. You know, I, every division has project management, but some people call it this, some people call it that. It's got these duties here. Um, and I can't take that data and then hand it off to a third party, like a, a carrier, you know, for I can't take my, I can't get my census data clean to send over, uh, or, and I can't do reconciliation. The bills I get back from the carrier, because I can't argue with them. They say I owe $10,000. I think that's wrong, but I don't have the data to address that. There's, I'm seeing a, a, a an anxiety, you use that word, I think it's, a, it's an insecurity around, I'm not sure about the data I sit on. And so we're seeing some firms say, all right, uh, let's set up a side project and just normalize the data. Let's get all our job titles the same. Let's get our org structure clean. Let's remove the stuff that we've been inheriting or, or carrying the baggage we've been carrying in our systems for a while so that we have good, clean data. Let's set up reports so that we're auditing where I'm sending either data out, one, for security, because there is such a focus on data security right now. Um, you know, the, if, so if the data's going out, let me make sure I've got the right controls in place. I know who has access and what the data is. Uh, secondly, is, is outside of compliances, let, uh, I'm, I'm paying this third party to do X. It could be uh, dependent verification, um, uh, benefits, you know, any, any of those services where I'm paying someone for it. How do I audit? How do I hold them accountable? You know, uh, tax filing, compliance, those type of things. And how do I get my data to be able to put me in a position of strength to say, oh, you said I owe $10,000. I have better data than you. I'm going to write you a check for $8,000 because there is real savings. And, and I use that, you know, the small numbers, but we worked with an employer that saved um, $170,000 um, on, an, on an annual basis just from truing up what they were paying a third party. And that's the type of leakage that everyone talks about. They're, they're just, they're nervous about. They, they think it's there, they don't know. That's, a, we, we, uh, that's the kind of data services to help an employer really have confidence in what they're standing on. So we've covered a lot of ground here, and I, I think you know, any one of these topics could be done in a lot of detail. Um, for people who are enjoying this, are listening, you know, what are just two or three takeaways that you want them to think about further when they're thinking about all of the, the things that HR technology can do to help them deal with how things are changing? What should they keep in mind? I would, so three things. The, the first is that uh, we spent years predicting what would happen in 2020. Well, we're, the future is here, we're there now. Now we need to think about the workforce for the next 10 years and we're in a labor shortage and we'll be through about 2050. So about another 35 years of labor shortage. So it's gonna be harder to attract, retain and motivate talent. Wages will rise, et cetera. Uh, the responses an employer has, and in, to me, a, 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 a human resources professional has a, a responsibility to take to their business, say, here's what's coming, here's how I think we can address it. Some of it, and a lot of it should be through automation, through the HR technology tool set. 
So then the HR leader has a responsibility to say, all right, let's do a, an inventory. What do we have? What do we like and what do we need? What's the right mix of technology? And let's create a three-year roadmap to get there. Uh, that's a lot of times in the third part is, is start with what you have. A lot of these systems are underused. I see people, it's like driving a Ferrari in rush hour traffic. You know, it's just, it's, the system can do it. It's just wasn't implemented right or the business has changed. Start with what you have with a, a trusted advisor to come in and say, all right, here is, the system is uh, incorrect in these areas or, or poorly set up in these areas, working great here. Or, hey, the system's perfect, it's just the wrong system for you. Let's go out and find you the one that is best for your industry, best for where you are, best for your employment size, and, and what you need from an automation perspective to make your workforce so that you can turn away from paying attention to the technology and focus on the workforce. You clearly are a wealth of knowledge when it comes to this. And again, I'm sure you could speak to any of these verticals for quite a while. If people want to pick your brain or if they want to learn more about your organization, you know, what's the best way to get in touch? So the easiest one, we have a website. It's uh, you know, the www.thepts.providencetechnologysolutionsteam.com. So thepts.team.com. So Providence Technology Solutions is, uh, is definitely a website that you want to check out. I mean, you've been listening to this podcast. You, you can see what an expert Matthew is, and they've got a lot of good case studies on there. Definitely worth a look. Uh, Matthew, thank you so much for joining me again. It's been a great time. I really appreciate you. You've been listening to another episode of the Executive Platform's Blueprint Podcast Series. My name is Jeff Nix. Thanks so much for joining me, and let's do it again soon.